Welcome back to Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. For this episode, I'm excited to have Nicole Metzger as our featured guest. Nicole serves as the Senior Vice President of National Sales for JMI Sports. In this episode, Nicole shares her incredible career journey, where she has navigated a successful path in partnership sales and marketing, with experience working in both professional and collegiate sports and within leagues and teams. As a leader who specializes in securing dual assets, Nicole enjoys taking on new challenges and making an impact. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Turnkey ZRG, for supporting Women Blazers this season. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, music, and media. We appreciate Turnkey ZRG's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. They gave me advice to treat every day like a job interview, and and again, it just still resonates with me today. Um, showing up every day and your your you know your best self, best capacity, and um, focus on results and and making an impact, making a positive impact. Uh, we used to have a, a mantra in Timo, right? Be of help, be of service. So Nicole, you graduated from the University of Georgia and majored in marketing. You know, how did you make your college decision and what inspired you to choose this path for your major? Yeah, it was interesting. I, um, I was on a competitive dance team in middle school and high school. Uh, and the experiences, the, the competition provided me were being able to be involved in events like the 1996 opening ceremony in the Olympics or Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or bowl games, collegiate bowl games and a Super Bowl event and lots of other parades and, and whatnot. And being able to be in those events, uh, seeing the event production, the back end of the, the event production, uh, especially the opening ceremonies of the Olympics in 1996, we were the first event to perform in that uh, venue. So when we were there practicing, which was, I think it was three months uh, before the Olympics, uh, we started practicing and rehearsals. We were actually in Turner Field while they were still finishing the the construction. So to even see a a pro sports venue in a hard hat zone and, and being, you know, constructed and developed and then the the very first inaugural event in that stadium uh all those experiences just led me to be curious about is there a a path to to this in a professional world you know to to be able to be involved in sporting events uh on the business side can i take this to to make it into a career uh, of course, like everybody in sports, I, you know, grew up uh, an athlete and and grew up watching sports with my dad, especially <laughs> especially basketball uh, and, and thought, you know, to get into this as, as a career, that would be a, a really um, that would not only you know serve the, the path of finding a job, right? finding that 95, but it would also align with my passions. 
and so as I got into school, um, I was able to consult some, some career um, counselors that were part of the university services. And uh, they said that a business track would, would be the most universal <laughs> and through my business track uh, to make sure, you know, I was um, finding opportunities with the athletic department and, and other internships that would align in the, the particular vertical of sports marketing. So that was kind of my journey through college. I, I worked with the athletic association in several different capacities. And then um, my junior year um, through a, a, I applied through monster.com. If you remember, <laughs> remember that platform. Yes. Uh, you know, just answered an ad to monster.com. And that was with a, a, an internship with the LPGA uh, down in Florida. And I was fortunate enough to get that internship. Uh, and it was one of those that was a program. So you would go down and um, you would be placed with that. You know, they, they would kind of profile you, your personality, your major and your background, and then place you in, in the department that you best fit. Uh, and being a marketing major in the business school, they thought I'd be best fit in the, the sponsorship group. Um, and that group was selling, you know, naming rights to tournaments and league assets. Um, so that was my junior year of college. And really the rest is history. I, I was perfectly profiled. That's the right role for me. <laughs> uh, and I just loved it. I got to do, you know, all, I learned all the aspects of, of the sales process and client servicing as well. So I kind of, you know, supported each of those um, verticals within the, the sponsorship division. Well, I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. And thank you for sharing sort of your journey and your path into college and how your competitive dance experiences at all those amazing events really opened your eyes to the production side and, and you just taking those experiences that you had and following through with, you know, the college experience and understanding and asking all the right questions and I think it's just absolutely hilarious that they placed you <laughs> in sponsorship exactly yes. where you are today. And you know, obviously the path that you've taken, so they worked out in the yes. end. I do feel fortunate. And, I, and even with the, the marketing degree, um, I just, I love brand strategy. I love marketing and the psychology of marketing. And that, that is sponsorship, right? That is really the, the, the heart of successful marketing and ship marketing, right? So yes, I, I was fortunate that that I found it early on and um, was able to tap into that passion. Well, tell us after graduation, um, how did you navigate career opportunities from there? Obviously, you had this great experience. Um, what was that first job you landed when, after graduation? Yeah, I've been fortunate. Everything uh, in my career path since that uh, onset of college has has led to the next step. My internship at the LPGA, I was successful in the internship. I had results. Um, I developed relationships with the senior leadership and the hiring managers. After I graduated college, I, I had in my head that I wanted to live in Colorado. Uh, I grew up skiing and my parents uh, vacation out there frequently. So I knew that I'd have support from my family if I packed up the U-Haul and made my way out West, um, which is what I did right after graduation. So <laughs> I, I spoke with my, my uh, 
supervisors at the LPGA, and this was about a year later, uh, if they had any relationships in Colorado. And sure enough, they did. So there was a valuation and sales agency that worked with the LPGA to help them uh, sell some of their naming rights and then to also value their sponsorships um, for renewals and retention. Uh, and that group was called the Bonham Group, and they were based in Denver, Colorado. So the, the LPGA made a call on my behalf and <laughs> said, you know, you should meet one of our, our past interns. She did a good job for us. And that got me an interview at the Bonham Group, and they hired me as an, in, uh, as an apprentice for six months. So it was a, it was a paid, paid position, but it was uh, really like a, a six-month trial period into later into getting a full-time offer. Sounds a little bit like a, a like an inside sales sort of journey yeah. if you're you know, on the team side. That's yeah, right. exactly. Um, and during my time at the Bonham Group, I much like my internship, I was in a support role for both the, the sales division and the client services division. So I, I helped the, the senior sellers um, manage a CRM and uh, sales outreach and prospecting for the naming rights negotiations that this agency was handling. Petco Park was one of them, Toyota Arena um, while I was there. And then the, the other side of the house, uh, I worked on valuation reports for FedEx, which is one of the larger clients. Um, that they worked with to help them better negotiate their renewals and mm. to get more value out of their some of their naming rights sponsorships. And while I was there, I was very transparent that I wanted to uh, make my way to the, the team side and and work for either uh, in the market that was Cronky Sports or the Denver Broncos. And fortunately, the Bonham Group, the founder, the president, and some of the SVPs were all very, uh, very good to me to get me introduced and networked into the Denver business community. Uh, the SVP of client services gave me a list of, of individuals that I should take to coffee and get to know. And then he, on my behalf, reached out to each of them and, you know, just kind of made the introduction. Wow. And through that six months, I, I did just that. I took lunchtime or breakfast to, to meet as many people on that list as I could. And some of those individuals were team side. Um, one was the, the CMO at the time of, of Cronky. And when there was a, an opportunity at Cronky, which, which is the Colorado Avalanche, Denver Nuggets, Colorado <laughs> Rapids, uh, the, at the time it was the, uh, the crush and the, the mammoth, team, <laughs> five teams, um, we hit it off. And uh, when there was a, an opening for a, um, uh, a client services role, he gave me a call and asked if I'd be interested in interviewing. And so that, that is what I did. That kind of became my, my next chapter in my career, moving to the team side. Let's talk about your client services position at Cronky Sports Entertainment, this first like team job that you had. What do you recall about those first experiences that you sort of take away and remember today? Um, still kind of hold true. So I was transparent with them in the beginning that I, I wanted to eventually get into a sales role, but would need some, some groundwork and need some training. And so they, they did think that being in a client services role would help me in the future when I moved into a sales role. It would help me in the ways of being able to learn uh, you know, what is required from a, an operations standpoint, from a relationship development standpoint, 
from a, just a contract management standpoint. Um, and it, you know, when working in that role uh, internally, you, you work with so many different groups uh, within the organization to help execute successfully on that contract. So I, I think my, my supervisors were, you know, not only thinking about how I would be successful for the client later on as I moved into a sales role, but I would have also uh, developed the, the key relationships internally that are needed uh, when, you're, when you're in a sales role and, and you're looking to implement a, a new idea or a new initiative that uh, is going to require um, different groups to, to have to, to come together and, and help that particular partnership be successful. Um, so I, I had the support of the group. Um, I was in that role for about a year. They aligned me with one of the uh, more senior sellers who had uh, a, a pretty deep uh, book of business and some yeah. of the larger clients. So I was able to, to learn from those relationships and uh, learn from him. And then when there was a, a sales role opening, um, I still had to go through the formal interview process. <laughs> but my, my team was very supportive. I did a, a few kind of um, extra layers to, to promote myself for that role. I had our, our whole group wear t-shirts that said hire <laughs> Nicole. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> I did. I swear I did. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put together a PowerPoint presentation, you know, this was way above and beyond, uh, you know, probably a little kitschy, but, um, I do think it, it helped show my enthusiasm and passion. And even though I was green and, you know, others that were, uh, applying for the position were not green, um, that I understood, you know, the, the process and I already had relationships with a lot of those clients that I would be renewing or helping to grow the relationship with. And then of course had all of the internal relationships and, and that helped me, you know, to, to be able to be successful out in the marketplace. Right. And to find those right. opportunities. So yeah, I did a little above and beyond uh, <laughs> creator project and pitched myself. Um, but I think it all led to, to, the support of the senior leadership and they, they did hire me as a salesperson after my first year. And, um, I had a really successful run as an account executive there. Um, it was a, a top seller after a, about a year in and, um, again, just really enjoy that experience and the, the team, the, the leadership and, uh, all of the variety of properties that, that we sold. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and and I'm I'm sure you know this past week has been big for you. Are, are you were you happy to yes. see the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup? Yes. Oh yeah, I I text my my girlfriends that night. Um, some of them are, are still there in senior leadership roles now. Um, very exciting for the organization, and and foundationally for you, like you said, like this is a this this was a a, a really big experience in terms of that transition from client services to to partnership sales and. That path um, that you described, that um, learning and discovery and building those relationships, those core relationships on the client services side, and how you transfer transferred that those skills and that talent and those and that experience to the the sales side. You know, do you see that as um, you know a path that's often taken, or you know, obviously you see it happening in different ways. But 
was curious on, on that path. And is that, is that more common or is you think that's a path that more people should, should explore? You know, I don't see it as common as, as you would think. Um, I, I see a lot of um, individuals going into one or the other and then feeling that they are, that is their role and, and, and not really looking to, to the, to the other side of the sponsorship business. Um, I see that a lot, especially in females, right. Um, going into a, an account management role and, and not, not really entertaining a, a sales responsibility. And I think that, uh, you know, can get a bad rap sales as a word sometimes can get a bad rap. Um, but you know, creative minds are, are, are everywhere and, and right. diversity in a sales role is just as, as important as it is in a client services role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that journey for me helped me uh, understand, you know, there's a, there's a saying in our world of like, we, uh, we sell the big idea and then kind of hand it off to account management to, to service the nightmare. Right. <laughs> right. And I feel like I, I am, was able to, to learn a lot about the, the account management side to, to not do that in the sales side. Right. To, yeah. To cover those bases and to, to be more thorough in the process so that mm-hmm. the that are that are coming on and, and helping this partnership be successful um, you know, are, are, are all a part of it and, you know, equal capacity and, and are able to be successful, uh, implementing the, you know, whatever the key objectives are for that partner. Um, you know, I, what I learned from that role gave me the, the ability to, to, or the awareness, I guess, to know the account management team, bring them in early on so that, uh, everybody can, be a part of that that development journey as the partnership is coming to to fruition and and finalizing negotiations. Um, you know those those little keys to success aren't always uh, realized by a seller that might not have have been in that seat. You know, yeah. Previously. You know, it's it's definitely a great path um, and one that you want to see more in. And I I do think this is the path that you're going to see more women taking, um, to, to move into those sales opportunities. Cause you know, obviously, you know, I think traditionally we see very stereotyped for us as women that we, we play very good service roles, not hunting right, roles. Right. But when, when truth is like, no, we're just, we're hunters in disguise. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I'm probably more or less disguised, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So after three and a half years in this incredible experience with Cranky Sports and sort of the launch of your sports team experiences, you, you stayed in Denver and you made a move to the Denver Broncos and you became a senior executive business. So what inspired this move? You know, I'm, I'm curious. Um, and what yeah. were some of those key takeaways from the Broncos experience? So I, I loved football, still do, coming from a, a SEC school experience at the University of Georgia. You know, you just grow up loving the game. Um, and I was I was developing relationships with the Broncos early on, even when I was still at Georgia in college. Um, so I when I moved to Denver, um, there wasn't an opportunity to work there full time, but there was an opportunity to be a part of their game day staff, um, which I did. And I moonlighted. The group was called Sack Attack, and it was um, 
uh, I think it was about 20 of us um, that worked with the sponsorship in the game entertainment department on game days. And we implemented the promotions uh, or the, the, the sponsor activation. We just became an extension of their team. So I was doing that all while working for either the Bonham Group or Cronky Sports, uh, which of course my employer knew, you know, I established that that wasn't going to be a problem when I took those positions. Um, so I was, I was working with that group, uh, I think roughly three or four seasons uh, when a, an opportunity to move to the new business sales team came, came to fruition. And, you know, it was just, because I had already been working with that group for so many seasons, uh, I was somebody that, you know, they, they reached out to and, and asked if I'd be interested in coming to join the team. Uh, it was a slightly more senior role than, than I was, was in at Kroenke. It was a little bit more money. Um, and then of course the, the opportunity to, to work for, the NFL team in the market. Um, those that were those were kind of the the three big reasons for me to make the move. Um, but what I so that role was a the sole new business role, and there were some other more senior sellers on the team that had an established uh, book of business and had been there, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, so when I when I joined the team. I, I realized how much I loved the variety of the properties and the um, the camaraderie of the group at, at Kroenke. Um, I absolutely love the the brand of Denver Broncos, and I enjoyed being in that strictly new business role. Uh, but I certainly learned while I was there that I like a, a more variety in, in, in properties to sell and, and um to be able to position to different brands with multiple properties. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible experience. And it's, it's interesting that you were able to, to your point, like work with them beforehand and, mm -hmm. and really establish that relationship. It seemed like just an easy transition or seamless. Is that right. better to say like a seamless transition? Um, it was. It's such, a, such a unique experience to have that. It was, it was, it, and you know, I was, I was kind of interviewing all along, right? You know, I, <laughs> right. I was interested in joining that team from very early on and, and just made sure that I continued to, to stay relevant and, and help them out, you know, working with their game day group, um, which was a, an amazing experience in and of itself. Um, that too was a really good group that um, I established some long-term relationships with, with that team. Um, but it was, you know, like like each step I each step of my career, I've 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 been afforded that, you know, an opportunity to to grow and enroll in the scope of the role uh, and to to have more responsibility. And in many cases, uh, you know, more base pay, so forth. Um, yeah. So, you know, while I was not looking to leave the, the Broncos, that was why I made the next move to, to an agency. Um, it was more, you know, it was an opportunity for me to, to take a leadership position and uh, move back into a variety of venues and, and disciplines from art and education to music, to sports, uh, and to, to oversee a client division, which was the city and county of Denver. Mm. Um, so that, you know, that just, it, it, it 
gave me the opportunity to get integrated even more into the business community within Denver and uh, to to be tapped into uh, an area of the business that I was particularly passionate about, which was the music side. Oh, yeah. One of our venues was Red Rocks. So being able to to oversee partnership at Red Rocks was really a special, special experience. Yeah, so that's an incredible, you know, amphitheater, and and to your point, it's a you know such a such a um, a high tourist area. But in, in general, yeah, from a concert perspective, a music perspective, it's it's beautiful. So you're yeah. talking about your opportunity. Um, so you are the senior director of sponsorship sales for Proxy Partners. They're right. still in Denver, um, and yeah, to your point, like it sounds like this was a great opportunity of growth and 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 to expand those experiences into areas like music. Um, how long were you with Proxy Partners and um, in that opportunity? I, I believe it was just a little over three years. Uh, and, and in that role, I oversaw our, our, major pri- our major property client, which was the city and county of Denver. Uh, and I was uh, in that leadership role responsible for the client relationship um, with the city, setting the strategy and the vision. Uh, of course, was was overseeing revenue generation and then uh, a team of of account management reps um, for all of the venues and programs that came out of the city. So that was Red Rocks and a Colise- in the Coliseum, uh, Convention Center, Performing Arts Complex, and then any other um, arts and education programs that the the mayor's office uh, initiated. Uh, and then we also, during that time, um, implemented a digital signage district that was throughout the downtown area. Um, so also had to launch an out-of-home uh, advertising division as a part of that that client team. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was a really amazing project and, and client to, to, to be responsible for and a really great opportunity for me. So after your experience with, with Proxy Partners, in 2012, you take a position with the NBA League Office in Teambo, um, which is Team Marketing Business Operations. And that's where you and I met and got to work together. Yeah. Um, you know, how did you, how'd you land this opportunity and, and how did you navigate the transition into the league life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very different than the Colorado life. Um, <laughs> right. So there was uh, there was a woman uh, working for within Teambo, Wendy Morris, um, who I had worked with at Cronky Sports. Um, she she used to live in Denver, and we we were worked very closely together while I was at Cronky. Um, we were put on a couple um, kind of uh, liaison teams, if you will, uh, one for the naming rights of Dick Sporting Good Park. Uh, and then another for um, one of our, our larger uh, long-term, what, what Cronky calls their founding partners. She, you know, just knew my personality and, and my skill set and strengths and thought that I would be a, a good person to, to come over to the Teambo role. So when she called and, and offered me the opportunity to interview, um, you know, you just can't pass that up. The no, opportunity to work the NBA, right? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't pass it up. Um, and it's so hard to get in. So that's always really interesting, like how you you, you were brought in within Wendy. And big shout out to Wendy. You know, she's uh, yeah. she's definitely a champion and a huge supporter of the growth of women in our industry. Um, so big shout out to her. 
what was your favorite aspect of your experience working and traveling and all the things that we did in Timbo? What was sort of your favorite experience or, or takeaway? I loved all of it. Um, <laughs> you know, full, full transparency. The Timbo role was my, one of my, if not my favorite roles that I've had thus far. Um, yeah. You know, particularly the people, um, like-minded and smart, knowledgeable, you know, some of the, the, the ethos of the NBA, what the NBA stands for, um, you know, being innovative, but also on the, the cultural side of breaking down cultural barriers and, you know, the, the journey of, of Commissioner Stern at the time and mm-hmm. the journey of the league uh, and, and what it meant to, you know, modern society. Um, I just... I, I've equated that experience to like getting your PhD in sports marketing. You know, we, we were in a learning environment, a learning and teaching environment. Um, but, you know, the amount that we learned as a group to be able to, to share those best practices back with the teams. Yeah. I mean, I just, I felt very fortunate to be in a position where I was able to feed that feed the knowledge, you know, and continue to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way you felt about your experience. And it was one of those experiences where it was the first time I really truly understood what it meant to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself, you know, and, and, right. and yeah, it was, it, it's a really um, eye-opening experience. And for me, I, you know, I knew I wanted to take that back to a team someday Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew, you know, for me personally, I knew, you know, I, I, I didn't see myself sort of growing up the ladder of the of NBA, but really take what I had learned there. And for you, after three years, you, you made a couple of big moves and, you know, you left the, the, uh, the NBA as well. First with the Miami Dolphins, where you were named the VP of Partnership Activations, and then you went on to the Charlotte Hornets, where you're also VP of Partnership Development. So can you break down these two experiences for us, you know? Um, you know, what were some of the takeaways from the MBA into these experiences and what were the big wins in each of these roles for you? Yeah. So I, I, I found a wheelhouse in helping um, underperforming teams, sponsorship teams, uh, and helping to resuscitate these underperforming teams um, by implementing some of the fundamentals of, you know, people and process and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, focus or being accountable to results. Um, so my move from the the NBA to the to the Dolphins was an opportunity to to help uh, you know elevate an underperforming team and to to focus on a, a big project of uh, monetizing a, a massive renovation and identify a new naming rights partner. Of course, I, I still have uh, the the love and tie to the NBA family. <laughs> Uh, so when there was an opportunity to go over to the Charlotte Hornets and and uh, you know have a similar focus of helping to to resuscitate an underperforming group, um, sell a, a a major what we would call jewel asset, which was the jersey patch, um, that you know was an exciting opportunity for me to get back into the NBA family and and to help a team that I worked fairly closely with when I was in Teambo. Uh, really excited to, to get in and, and help and, and make an impact uh, in the way that I knew that I could. Yeah. I mean, the, the you know, how you describe sort of these jewel assets and how unique they are in this industry. You know, if you're in partnerships, like a naming rights, you might work your whole career and never 
be in a position to pitch a naming rights. It's such a right. unique situation. I mean, these naming rights are, you know, they used to be 20. They're closer to 10 now. <laughs> but, uh, but 20, right. you know, 10, 20 year, you know, agreements that might not ever come up or a first time right. patch or, you know, here in MLS, we have the Jersey front and, you know, the patch as well. And hockey, you're, you got the patch and, you know, so these massive assets um, that, that are almost like a once in a career opportunity you find yourself you know specializing in these in these aspects and being able to um you know really leverage you know your skill set into some of these really big roles with these great organizations they're they're the most important partnership (laughs) of any venue right it is a true strategic alliance and there's tentacles to uh the the partnership in many different areas of of the business of the the property and the team and ownership even yeah Yeah. Um, and in a lot of times those alliances are with uh, Fortune 500 brands that are based within that market, you know, and have a particular tie to the the community and the economic development of the city. Uh, and being able to to pull all that together is a really gratifying uh, experience for for me personally. And I yeah. think my my colleagues in the industry would agree that it's it's kind of the the pinnacle of <laughs> partnership development in many ways, you know. Yeah. The, the term and the finances, but really the um, the return on the objectives, uh, mm. you know, is really moves the needle and is meaningful for that brand that that aligns at, at that level. Yeah, I mean, the players win championships on the court or the field, and and partnership people land stadium naming rights. <laughs> like it's like that <laughs> level of amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Now, in 2018, you know, your path extends uh, to where you are today uh, yeah. with J- JMI Sports, you know, where you were named the chief revenue officer for Clemson Sports um, and Campus Marketing. You, so what inspired this this move in your career? Yeah, and this was yet another one where I wasn't looking to make a move at all. Um, I really connected to the, my Charlotte Hornets family and still do. It's such a great group and a great brand, uh, an amazing market. Um, but I had a, a, a friend who was a, a friend of both of ours, Ted Larkey, who worked with us at, in Teambo. Um, That's right. During those years, uh, he was he was with the Milwaukee Bucks for a long period of time in a C-level and had recently made the move to be the president of uh, the Notre Dame property for JMI Sports. So he gave me a call and, and kind of gave me the heads up that they, there was an opening at a, another property. They were looking for a property leader. Uh, and he would, he asked if he could uh, mention me to the, the co-founder and, and president of JMI Sports. And uh, when I was honored that he thought of me um, and he is certainly somebody that I respect uh, and, and think that he is, you know, just one of the, the smartest and, and, most incredible people in our industry. So I very much respected his, his opin- opinion and his, his journey moving from the NBA into to JMI sports. Mm-hmm. So because of that, uh, I, I took the meeting and took the call and I, I met with uh, Eric Judson and Tom Stoltz on a Friday. And I think uh, I met him at 9am and I think by like 6pm we were done <laughs> meeting and it was, wasn't because it was that grueling of an interview. <laughs> it's just because we really 
we really just fit, you know, and, and had such a great vibe uh, together. And, and the conversation was so interesting and aligned um, that we just kept talking, you know, and what I learned about the, the property, which was Clemson, uh, the opportunity at the property, which was to to resuscitate an underperforming property. So it was kind of, again, a, a wheelhouse of mine. Um, you know, I just uh, connected with the, the people and Eric's vision and mission for the company. We were very aligned philosophically on the, the approach to, to partnership uh, and the approach to uh, the strategy of, of, of how to be successful at the university level. Um, and, and I, I found that this, this collegiate sports marketing space is, is kind of purpose-driven work as well in, in yeah. the sense of servicing, serving higher education. Um, and kind of that, that last factor that led to the decision to, to make the move is this was a, a, a different sector of the sports business that I had not worked within yet so it gave me an opportunity to to learn a different space and to open up my network even further uh we of course fell in love with greenville it's an amazing town uh, and and thought it could be a place that we could put down some roots uh and and this particular property was a property that had both the athletics uh multimedia rights contract as well as the campus multimedia rights. So it was uh, what we call a total campus marketing property. Um, and that space is really yet to be proven. Uh, so the challenge to break the code of total campus marketing all became, um, you know, the, the, the logic, I guess, for my decision to make the move and what inspired me to, to move over to JMI. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a, a really great opportunity, to your point, to expand in an area that you had not yet explored. You know, I never heard of the total campus marketing, sort of, you know, what that meant, but it makes sense now, um, considering that generally you see it on the sports side, but not the entire campus. And so what a right. unique experience there. Um, and, and a place where, you, like you said, in a, in a location that was a great place to to, you know, plant some roots for you and your family. I think that's mm -hmm. fantastic. And it sounds like there is no, no beat up on the University of Georgia connection, I assume. <laughs> well, I, I did mention, but uh, JMI Sports does work with Georgia. So that, <laughs> that, that might have been a factor too in my decision that I would be able to be in close proximity to my alma mater. <laughs> there you go. So uh, that's, that's great. That's great. Now you, you now serve, um, you now serve as the SVP of national sales for JMI sports, you know, so what is it, the scope of your responsibilities today compared to what they were when you first started? How has it expanded? Yeah. yeah so about a year ago, um, my role did expand, uh, into the corporate side of our business. Uh, so the, both the, the scope and the, the responsibilities, um, moved into more of a company wide, uh, oversight. So my my role now is to um, drive sales across the entire company's portfolio of properties. So all of our universities and conferences and, and other non-collegiate properties. And then I'm also um, responsible for managing our conference partnerships and those 
teams that we have in market representing those conferences. Uh, we have six conferences that we work with, uh, and I still have uh, responsibilities to Clemson as well. So I I added on the, the additional scope to to my to my purview. Wow, sounds like you're you're in a, another version of Teambo, but JMI version. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know? Serve as like a, you know, I do serve as that centralized sponsorship sales consultant for our properties. Um, and much like our, the Teambo days, you know, also go into market and roll up sleeves and, and, uh, you know, work in partnership with our property teams to, to help identify um, new revenue strategies or help solve problems for our properties. And I'd love to hit on a couple main topics that I think are you know trends and conversation starters across you know obviously our industry, um, and ones that we sort of touched on today. And one, the first one is self development. Um, so for self development, you know it's a it's a process of investing time and resources into bettering yourself. You know what has been your approach to self development? I I think just mentally, I I never want to stop learning and growing. You know, that's whether it's related to my career or personally or within my family and within my friendships, right? My, my, my personal social network. Um, I just, I think that um, having that curiosity and being a seeker of knowledge uh, is, is a very fulfilling journey for me. Not to expect um, that knowledge to just to just come or to be based on experience or based on uh, a position. That you know, it's it is something that is an ever breathing, living thing. So for me, it, it's just a, a daily journey and and whatever capacity that looks like and. With that, I, I do think it's also important to, to nurture your mind and your body and soul. And that can mean different things. But um, yeah. for me, that's both physical exercise to also, you know, um, reading or studying the things that are not within my my career scope, you know, that might just be totally outside of, of, of my work world um, mm. to learn things. It's definitely a responsibility, you know, as, as you, as you described, you know, there's, you have to take ownership of your development and there's so many different ways you can do that, but it's about tapping into your, like to your point, into the examples that you shared as you were sharing with us, your journey, it's that those curiosities and exploring them and not waiting for somebody to tell you about them and to teach you something, but that you have to seek them out and get the coffee and, and read the book or, you know, but as well as. I like what you said too about your, your, not just your mind, but also your body. Are you physically, you know, do, do you have the physical endurance <laughs> That's right. to continue yeah. to develop, you know? And I, I think I'll, we sometimes forget that those two things are very connected. That's right. You know, what comes to mind too, that is sleep. And for me, that is very hard at times. Yeah. I, I, I could be, I can be quite the insomniac, but that, you know, if, if my sleep is, um, is kept in the the right amount of hours and you know regimen then i'm allowing my my brain to to download and my body to to recuperate so that i can show up the next day you know it, it peak performance um mm-hmm. you know it, it, all of that is is interconnected you know um 
my my days of of uh, my weekends of eating a lot of pizza and drinking beer usually you know shows <laughs> up on a Monday morning of uh, you know I've I've learned my lesson you know and have to get back on track yeah <laughs> well my lunch of Red Bull and candy today is generally what I I've my, been my diet for ten years um, yeah. it's definitely going to catch up and I'm trying to <laughs> hold it back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do, don't do that. Our next topic uh, I always love to touch on is lifestyle. Um, often, you know, we talk about, or especially as women, we're asked about things like work-life balance. And so yep. we've really exchanged out the term work-life balance for the word lifestyle. And mm-hmm. if you could provide just a little bit of a, a sneak peek and some perspective, like um, into your lifestyle, how how it's involved over time, you know, sort of how do you manage the intersection of your, you know, personal interest you know, obviously you, you're a wife, you're a stepmother and, um, and your professional requirements and all the travel that you have as well. Right. Yeah. I like the evolution of how, how you move from work-life balance term to lifestyle. I think that is, that sums it up in, in a nutshell, really. I, I struggled. I still struggle with work-life balance. That implies that there are kind of two areas of your life. Um, last year I, I did a, um, like a, a yoga, um, workshop that was, Mm. it was like a 90 day self-development journey. It required daily practice, daily readings, and then, uh, a weekly chat group or session, uh, with the, the community that was, that was participating in this journey. And one of the things that I learned from it was this notion of, this is, this is your life as one and it's unified. There is not two separate silos of work and then personal life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you can accept that as it's all part of me and my life, um, then it, it does help just mentally with that. Right. Um, right. And that notion, I've, I've really taken that with me over this last year and, and I, you know, I've been able to, to merge the two uh, more mentally um, and, and, you know, and thinking of tactically like involving the family, right. And, and work activities or bringing them to games uh, yes. when I travel, you know, knowing that uh, you take to take time, of course, to check in with the family, but also just to, to make sure your travel schedule is that so that you can maximize your time at home and then also maximize your time while on the road. And then of course, allowing time for self-care, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a schedule, like the busy schedule, like many of us have, um, being, being okay with stopping for a minute and, and, and not doing maybe, and just, you know, letting, letting yourself just be, that's hard. That's hard of just slowing down and, and quote unquote relaxing, but it is right to, to integrate that into a, a regular routine as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And I like, I like what you said about um, sort of the work and the life and that it's just, you know, this, this coming to this conclusion that it's just you, it's just, you know, how you, you know, it's just, it's just you. And, and I, I haven't said this yet, you know, before in, in this part of this conversation, I think how you described it sort of flagged it for me was, you know, if you're in a situation where you're seeking the separation of work and life, 
there probably is a bigger conversation that you need to ask yourself, like, is, is your work too much like work? Are you not connected at it, exactly. connected with it at that level? Because right. I've never, I've never seen this to be a challenge for me. I work crazy hours. I'm all the time, but it's never felt like work. It's just, right. it's like, this is who I am. And this is what I love to do. And it all just sort of comes together. And if you're not, if you're not there yet, and you've been doing it for a while, there's, there's probably something you have to start to seek deeper about, about your purpose and, you know, where you're spending your time. Right. Exactly. You know, even at the level of your social network, you know, your friends become work friends, you know, it's all part of the, the, the same. Um, But yeah, if it, if it's too much of separation, then, then I agree. I think that that might, something might not be aligned. Yeah. Yeah. Now to close it up, um, I love to end with advice. You know, um, I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, what advice would you share with someone who's looking to grow their career in this industry that may have started in a very similar place that you did? I, somebody said this to me very early on, it might've been my very first job, but I've, I've taken it to heart and it's sticks with me to even today. Um, they gave me advice to treat every day, like a job interview and, and, again, it just still resonates with me today. Um, showing up every day and your, your, you know, your best self, best capacity and, um, focus on results and, and making an impact, making a positive impact. Uh, we used to have a a mantra in Timbo, right? Be of help, be of service. Mm -hmm. I think if, if you are doing those things, focusing on results, um, driving results, making a positive impact, um, being being a joy to be around right in an office environment uh having those good relationships and um you know thinking about uh you're being evaluated right <laughs> at a given moment and i think uh you know some other uh, other aspects for me are to to take initiative and solve problems and i think that probably parlays in the same as have res- have good results be results oriented if you are taking initiative and solving problems uh, you will stand out and shine. Um, and then the, and I think it, to close it out, be patient and enjoy the journey of, of the career. Um, don't, uh, don't try to, to get too far ahead too soon because there's, there's, there's rich learnings and experiences even in, uh, even in a role that you may feel uh, has, has passed its prime. And then when you're in the opportunity to do so, give back mm-hmm. to those that, uh, you know, that helped you in your career. Well, thank you, Nicole, so much for that incredible advice. You personally have always been somebody that I've thought of as, as a positive individual I've worked with. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. This was fun. And that's a wrap on episode 48. Thank you to Nicole for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you to Nicole, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping advance equity in pro sports. Now, as always, to stay connected and engage with the Women Blazers community, I invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers. And look forward to episode 49 dropping on Monday, July 18th. Until next time, have a wonderful week.